Welcome back to A Movie and an Argument. I'm Alyssa Rosenberg, the critic at Think Progress and a columnist for Slate and the Atlantic. And I'm joined, as always, by... Hi, I'm Aswin Subsang, but please call me Swin. I'm the reporting fellow and movie guy in Mother Jones Magazine's DC Bureau. Alyssa, thanks for joining me this morning. Happy to be here, as always. Um, so, we survived the Oscars. Mm. Barely. And straight into the sequestration, so yes, it's been exactly. a good week. I feel like we should. Can we sequester Seth MacFarlane? Like, can he, can his job be a victim of sequestration budget cuts? As long as it doesn't cut Ted. All right. I, I um, really like Ted. I liked Ted as well. So Ted is made, but I feel like Seth MacFarlane should go like sit in the corner and think about what he did for a while. I felt that way about Family Guy for like a decade now, maybe over a decade. I think people are late to the party. Yeah, I just, I mean, so the Oscars, you know, relied on a lot of like cheap, dumb, sexist humor. It just wasn't a good show. I thought it had its moments of like cheap but entertaining hilarity, like mostly due to the fact that um, actually now that I think back on it, no, no, my favorite moments all had nothing to do with Seth MacFarlane. Right, they like had to Adele, do with Anne Hathaway Bassey, singing. Yeah, you exactly. Know? I mean, I even thought the you know the Les Mis number was fine. You know, it, but the cheap. Right. Humor there was hearing Russell Crowe sing again. Yes. And so there you go. <laughs> uh, he's such a special snowflake. Um, you know, I thought it was an. Yeah, it was just too bad. It was a very flat show, and hosting is quite hard, right? Mm-hmm. But part of the reason the show was bad is because it became a four hour long ad for Seth MacFarlane's brand rather than, you know, a celebration of the movies or sort of calling attention right. to, you know, I mean, when. Instead of actually introducing the nominees, you're talking about how Zero Dark Thirty is about a woman's inability to let go of anything ever. You know, you're just not doing what the job of hosting is. Mm-hmm. And even in some of the moments, I did kind of enjoy, at least in the moment, uh, just because I'm a sucker for, like, song and dance sometimes. Like when Seth MacFarlane in the opening monologue sings uh, Just the Way You Look Tonight with Channing Tatum dancing. I mean, I did enjoy that somewhat, but... Even with that, I realize this is a hugely self-indulgent moment. It is, as you were saying, just branding for Seth MacFarlane. He can yeah. sing, and he can wear a tux while doing it on a stage. I mean... Good for him. Yeah. Two thumbs up. I mean, the guy has an album of songs like this where he just like covers like Frank Sinatra song tunes. So, right. there you go. I guess, you know... And I think hosting is an extremely difficult job. It's hard to do well. It's easier to fail than not. But, you know, they're just... It didn't feel like a celebration of the movies. And, I mean, I think that was paired with a set of kind of weird Oscar results. Um, I mean, was there anything that particularly stood out to you? I thought, I mean, I thought Argo was going to win. That was the only prediction I made, and I was right. Um, But I still think it was sort of the... I thought it was going to win because it was sort of so relentlessly, well-executedly middle-brow, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a movie that you can feel good about watching. Um... Yeah, it's... And nothing, not much more than that. Well, it did surprise me in the sense that I saw my money on Lincoln cleaning up, even towards the end. I mean, I thought it was less likely as Argo started winning, like, every award for picture and director under the sun in the run-up to the Oscars. I thought in an attempt to redeem or perhaps troll themselves, the Academy would vote for Argo just because, you know, in their minds it's good enough and we might as well do it so we don't look like clowns or something like that, as they have so many times in the past, as everybody who watches the Oscars knows. Um, but besides that, the thing that really surprised me was Ang Lee winning 
Yeah, uh, I did not see that coming. Best director. And Life of Pi, quite frankly, cleaning up in I every he, way. Yeah, except. he is the only person of color to win best director, right? And he's won it twice. Only person of color? Only, I think he's the only, only Asian. Asian. And the only person Asian to win it, and he's won it twice now. Yeah. As but, uh, I mean, it was widely speculated that he won Best Director and Life of Pi did so well as an apology for snubbing Brokeback Mountain back in 2005 yeah. for Best Picture, which everybody knew it should have won. And if it right. didn't win, it shouldn't have lost to Crash, yeah. which is what it lost to. Right, which year. is one of the all-time sort of abominations. I mean, I don't think Argo winning is an abomination. I just think it's dull. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's... It's the it was the least challenging of the best picture nominations in a lot of ways. Right, but at least it was. I I thought it was refreshing in a sense that it did win. That, for example, something like Lincoln didn't win, sure. which was you know even more so than Argo, yeah. making now, us feel good that, and fuzzy about. I our guess past. that was the king's speech of the of yeah. the twenty thirteen Oscars. Um, so at least th- they're trying yeah. <laughs> to not be so typical. What did you think about the acting awards? Acting awards. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis, everybody knew he was going to get it. I was surprised Tommy Lee Jones didn't get it for yeah. his actually, I think, superior portrayal. Or maybe that's just because it's a superior character. No, I think you Lincoln. and I agree that he, you know, had more. Daniel Day Lewis was doing a superb impersonation, but he wasn't necessarily bringing Lincoln to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Jones really animated someone who you know is not known to most americans as a hero of this struggle um yeah i i was disappointed by that um i guess i was fine with jennifer lawrence for best actress who are you gunning Uh, who are you rooting for jessica chastain Mm -hmm. wait oh best actor okay for best actress yeah i mean i thought that um i mean i think zero dark 30 is just a superior picture in every way to um, Silver Linings Playbook, and Chastain is carrying almost the entire movie on her own shoulders. And, you know, Lawrence is quite good in Silver Linings Playbook, but um, I didn't think she was demonstrably better than Chastain. You know, and I think that Zero Dark Thirty just got caught up. Nobody could see the movie for what it was, and it's mm-hmm. that's sad to me. It's, you know, I I feel a lot of sort of regret and a certain amount of anger about that. Mm-hmm. You, and, you and I feel a little bit differently about Zero Dark Thirty. I mean, the whole torture debate aside, I, I generally thought it was an okay thriller. But Jessica Chastain was fantastic in it. But having said that, she's fantastic in everything she does. Right. And this is hardly going to be the last time she's up for Best Actress in the near future. That's true. And uh, I don't know, in terms of the Oscars maybe trying to rebrand itself but seeming to fail, I, I think it was nice that they gave Best Actress to this young, like, sort of burgeoning pop icon yeah. who, who really is becoming very quickly the embodiment at least on social media of like the actress you really do want to hang out with the celeb who is cool and not like a phony or something yeah so, no i mean she's good seems, for her she seems lovely you know it appears that she's having fun with it so good on her i also like her telling jack nicholson that he was being rude when he crashed one of her interviews <laughs> after winning so <laughs> she has a great story about how when she first saw not met but saw meryl streep she was talking to bill maher at a party uh-huh. and she just interrupts him mid-sentence to say not now bill and just stares at meryl streep walking across the room doesn't even walk up to talk to her <laughs> but just interrupts like one of the most famous comedians in america talking to her just to like stare at the great meryl streep one of the things i actually find charming about actors and this is you know um is when they're sort of 
awed by other people, um, mm-hmm. which is an experience I've had a couple of times while talking to folks who say, oh, did you see that person? And it's, I think that's sort of lovely. Um, I'm more impressed when they're awed by people who aren't fellow actors or directors. Like, sure. Like, like an artist or like a tech guy or someone. Yes. I had that experience with uh, New Girls Jake Johnson and a UFC fighting champion, which I thought was pretty great. Really? Yes. Childhood hero or something? Like uh, well, not. Re- I think more recent hero, actually. He, you know, we were oh. at a party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, Johnson wouldn't let me wingman him to introduce. Oh. I, you know, I said, I'll go up and talk to the guy. <laughs> no, that would be disrespectful, <laughs> which I thought was pretty great. That's fantastic. What do you think about best supporting actors category? I was really bummed Rihanna didn't win for Battleship. I, I know. That will constantly that be w- That will haunt me for the rest heart. of Um. <laughs> You know, I like Anne Hathaway. Fuck the haters. I think Anne Hathaway is great. That is some... Okay, I'm glad I have you on this week to talk about this. I I don't get it. I don't get the Anne Hathaway hate. I, I've heard this has been brewing for a while, but when it exploded on, like, Twitter with the Oscars in the wake of it, I just don't understand why people dislike Anne Hathaway. It's bizarre to me. I don't understand it at all. Um, I think it's because she transparently wants it a lot, and it's like, you know, Jennifer Lawrence seems like the cool girl, right? You know... She swears and she's relaxed and, um, you know, I mean, Anne Hathaway actually reminds me of Beyonce in a lot of ways, right? Mm. Like, she wants it. You can see how hard she's working to get it. Um, well, good for her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she be but working I think hard to get it. I totally, I find it totally mysterious. It's, it's bizarre to me. I honestly, maybe I've been living in a bubble, but I hadn't heard about this till the Oscars. I was under the impression everybody loved Anne Hathaway. She's talented. In interviews, she seems intelligent and at least down-to-earth-ish. She's beautiful. Why the hell do people hate her? I thought we were supposed to like celebrities who were all these things. Yeah, it's very strange. No, I just... Has she thrown a telephone through, like, a London window or something? No, she dated a guy who scammed the Catholic Church out of a lot of money for a while. Her fault, obviously. Clearly. Um, No, I I find it... I find it irrational and kind of sad. Yeah. You know. Do you think a lot of it is, like, just pure... Envy? I, I mean, I, I don't... I mean, I think that's too think simplistic, so. but I, I have I, no idea how to explain this. Mm. But, I don't know. We'll, we'll invite, like, a professional... It's true. We'll have to put in a panel of, <laughs> a panel of professionals. A psychologist. evaluators, yes. To psychoanalyze the blogosphere. Um, well, any other thoughts about the Oscars, or should we move on to something even more horrendous? Let's move on to something even more depressing than the Oscars, Swin. <sighs> okay, uh, remind me, what, are, what is this nonsense? Dennis Rodman just got back from a Vice-sponsored trip to North Korea, where he apparently hung out with Kim Jong-un, as did a bunch of the Vice staff. This isn't just your standard Vice shtick, either. They're doing it as part of their upcoming show for HBO. Um, it's, a, it's a documentary series? Yes. Yeah. And it's gross. Like, just super gross. What's what's the name or premise of the documentary series? It's called Vice, um, and it's supposed to be sort of an international news show, um, ah. you know, where apparently they film segments to explain to you people that India and Pakistan fucking hate each other. I mean, literal tagline from one of the sizzle reels they showed us at the Television Critics Association press tour. <laughs> I just, you know, this kind of... I find this sort of vapid, like... Broish. I understand if you want to bring in new audiences to news. I think that's a valuable endeavor. But when you're so concerned with like proving that you're cool that you kind of abandon the story, I think that mm. you're not 
you're doing a real disservice to what you're covering. And I find that kind of shameful. I look forward to how HBO is going to try and sell me on this because yeah. I'm pretty grossed out. Or how it turns out. I mean, we don't know. Maybe the episode will be a whole lot better than the way they've been talking about it on Twitter. Because I think part of the outrage was that, uh, I forget who it was, one guy advice and was tweeting about it. And Dennis Rodman has been talking about how good of a time they've been having and, and had getting drunk with the North Korean dictatorship. And like the like basically partying with Kim Jong. Right. And I guess after is, a certain point, it's really hard for me to see how you separate out your complicity in that and yeah. make something that's like self-aware. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how you do that. You know, I mean, this is a guy who starved to death millions of people. Right. You know, he and his family's regime have starved to death millions of people. I mean, it is tiresome to always use the Hitler analogy, but Kim Jong Un is a totalitarian dictator who's murdered a lot of people. So, right. and I, I feel mean, like, it's... You know, I mean, I feel like you can demonstrate, you know, it's well-reported, the lavish lifestyle these families live. I don't think... I don't see how the best way to expose the sort of disgusting gap between, you know, the ruling family and their starving populace is to party with them. Like, there are some people you don't accept drinks from. There's some people whose hands you don't shake. You know, they're just... There, there are moral lines in this stuff, and I don't see how you can then pull back and say that you're sort of self-aware mm-hmm. as a critique of the regime. You know, you sat down with these people. You lent them a certain amount of legitimacy, you know? Like, even if Kim Jong-un isn't sort of aware enough to see how understand how he comes across in foreign press, I bet he feels pretty good about those interactions. Mm-hmm. And any journalism that makes someone like that feel good is difficult for me to understand it's pretty shitty yeah um i'm pretty sure what they're doing is in their attempt to seem hip the vice crew i'm not sure about rodman we'll get to him in a second but i think he might just be an idiot because he thought he was it sounded like he thought he was in south korea yeah for part of this trip um a f- flourishing democracy that's not north korea um it seemed like they were trying to do their best to hide their humanity to seem hip which is something people often do. Like it's it's um, misconception that I guess being cynical um, is synonymous with being cool nowadays. Yeah. So don't be earnest. Don't try to seem like a bleeding heart or an activist. Yeah. Like do what everybody else is and, and go there and actually Im- embed yourself in this like yeah. decadent lifestyle, and then you'll be a better writer for it. That's not. That may be true in certain forms of new journalism that involve reporting on the Rolling Stones. I'm just not convinced yet, and I'm open to it. I haven't seen the thing yet, but I'm just not convinced yet that that works with totalitarian dictators. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I I don't know. I doubt it, though. But the thing is, even if it works, the question is whether you should do it at all. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, I I think it's okay to ask whether it sort of blunts your moral sensibilities to turn off in a situation like that. Right. You know, I, even if the product is interesting, you know, Kim Jong-un got something out of this, right? I mean, he's apparently sort of obsessed with, you know, seeming cool. And, like, these Americans showed up and partied with him. And these Brooklyn hipsters at, from Vice. Yeah, I just, I... No offense to people in Brooklyn. Yeah, there are, there are Brooklyn hipsters who are not at Vice, who are perfectly reasonable humans. But, yeah, I just... It's there's something coarsening about it, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't use that word lightly. I think it's something that gets sort of thrown around a lot. I think there's something coarsening about 
how far people are willing to spend their moral sensibilities right for a project like this and it's you have to they should have taken into account and maybe they did but didn't care that this isn't just any autocratic state on the planet it's far worse it like the worst human rights record on the face of the planet like it, it just literally doesn't get any worse than north korea um like even when Saddam was around in Iraq, I, I think people, if there is any way to rank these things, well, it's like North Korea, worst on planet, done. No. So what – I'm just struggling to embrace the gimmick here. I, yeah. I guess I'm – And, you know, I think like, I think there's nothing wrong with just saying, you know what? There's some things I'm not interested in being convinced by. Like I, I don't have to understand everything. I don't have to understand, you know – it's okay for some things to just be taboo or to be ugly, mm-hmm. you know? I don't think that being a sort of intellectually curious person requires you to try to justify everything. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, the the simple headline I got out of this, besides everything we just talked about, was from the Dennis Rodman angle, miserable person is now best friends with other miserable... With person who inflicts misery human, on other people. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, and I'm still trying to get over that he was hoping that he would see Psy during his visit to North Korea. <laughs> that's that's a bit... Psy is South Korean, for our listeners who yeah. need that clarification. Um, yeah, not a lot of, like... There's not an equivalent of the Gangnam District in North Korea, no. just saying. Um, everything is ruined forever, Swin. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta take a shower after talking about Dennis Rodman's cuddly totalitarianism. Anyway, uh... Moving on, have you been uh, catching up with any of the movies this week? You've you know, f- I'm totally behind. I'm headed for South by Southwest next Friday, so I'm about to stick my head in a vat of movies and remove it six days later, having seen a million things. So I'm I'm saving up my movie-going energy. Mm-hmm. Good, good for you. Uh, let me know how it goes over there. You'll have to tell us all about it later. But I've seen one movie that came out today, Friday. Um... 21 and over. Have you heard of this at all? Uh, vaguely, but thoughts? Well, first of all, it's, um, it's the latest Hangover knockoff. And I think that's easy because it's written by the same guys, or some of the same guys who did The Hangover. So there you go. It's easy. Um, it stars Asian or Asian-American actor who, I can't remember his name, but I don't think it matters because he's passed out drunk for over half the movie. So he's rendered to basically a prop. Wow. And his white American friends are carrying him. Anyway, the premise is um, he's a student at some, I think, Ivy League college, and he's failing out. Um, but his two friends from high school, who he hasn't seen to a talk to in, in a long time, come to celebrate his 21st birthday. Ah. And it takes place over the course of one night, and this Asian kid gets ridiculously blackout drunk, uh, urinating on people at the bar, vomiting while on a mechanical bull. And... Uh, he has, like, a job interview or a med school interview the next day, so his friends have to do everything that night to get him home safe. Uh, hilarity theoretically ensues. Um, I don't think I have to tell you that you've seen this movie, like, at least eight dozen times over or the last real life. Five, uh, <laughs> real life. It did take me back. There were moments where it did take me back to a better time in my life, but that aside... What was the first legal drink you ordered? Um... Don't recall, and someone ordered it for me. A bunch of my uh, fraternity brothers took me out to the local bar and 
memory was all flushed down the toilet from there. But they ordered me something. I think it was an Irish car bomb. Mm, I taught my local bartender how to make dirty Girl Scouts, which are... What is a dirty Girl Scout? Does it uh, involve God. mashing a cookie? And... Uh, no, it's... Let me see if I can remember. It's Kahlua creme de menthe. Um, God, I can't believe I can only remember half the ingredients. Uh, it's been a while since I had one. But it's basically... An extremely alcoholic drink that tastes like a Thin Mint, and it's the best thing ever. I gotta, you, you gotta help me check this out. All right, I've I never will, heard of this. I will find the recipe. I will find a way to get you a Dirty Girl Scout swim. Very cool. Um, this is what podcast partners are. Absolutely, for. no. This is what I get out of the podcast. You give me like drink recommendations and recipes for stuff. But the uh, uh, back to the movie and how yeah. horrible it is. Yeah, it's miserably tiresome, inexcusably tiresome. It's not funny i'm all for crude teen humor about yeah. like um hormonal drunkards this isn't that it, it, it's just boring as hell but the only interesting thing about this movie is this dumb teen comedy about these dumb hormonal drunkards is that it was actually at the center of a minor human rights controversy have you, have you heard of this no what happened um of a post going up on this layer today but Part of the movie was shot in a province of China that is known for having a pretty bleak human rights record, and it was criticized by, among other activists, uh, some good folks at Human Rights Watch, for filming in an area that Chen Guan Cheng, <clears throat> the blind uh, Chinese human rights activist, was, was put under house arrest and treated pretty brutally. And relatively media back in 2011 caught some shit for this, as they should have. So and what we're fighting for is our right to party. Absolutely. That's the message of the movie, apparently. And it's also funny that um, apparently there is an alternate version of this movie edited so it can be distributed in China. China. They make the main Asian-American ch- character a Chinese student. And at the end of the movie, he goes back to China a better, stronger for man. For having rejected Western decadence? Presumably. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure Western decadence made him stronger. Uh, I, I'm not gotcha. sure if there's much rejection, but I've yet to see the... Chinese version on bootleg, and I don't think I will. Although I'm, I'm mildly interested. Maybe I'll flip through quickly. Well, but, I, f- I feel like this brings us sort of full circle on our discussion. You know, like, scatological or drunken humor, like, the very fact of scatology or drunkenness or, you know, actresses' breasts is not inherently funny, right? I mean, and I think that a lot of our culture has sort of lost sight of the idea that you have to do work to construct a joke. Yeah. Um, and... That's exhausting. You know, we are like, we're not 10 years old anymore. And I want someone to do more than say like, he threw up. And that's supposed to be funny to me. You know, I just, I want some more out of my entertainment. And a lot of people seem very satisfied with, you know, just with nothing beyond that. And it's as a, as a critic and as a consumer, it's wearisome. Personally, I blame the, Every movie that followed the same trend and pattern after Not Another Teen Movie. I yeah. adore Not Another Teen Movie, but everything after that, like Scary Movie 12 and a half, yeah. whatever's come after. Basically, the model for humor there is say the word um, Paris Hilton or yeah. make movie reference or right. have zit pop. And yeah. that's enough. That's a sight gag. Yes. Four more sequels. Yeah. But, uh... On that depressing note, I have to say it was lovely having you here again. We got to do this you more know, often. You know, even in the darkness, you shine a great light, Swin. So thank you for having me. Thank you for coming by.